You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a great show planned for you. Why, you ask? Because Dina Miller, founder and CEO of Electi Management Incorporated, is our guest. And I just wanted to say, I love that opening music. I hear it over and over and over the many years. I never get tired of it. It's one of my top songs. I should actually put it in my playlist too. But Dina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you're in your second year of business, and I'm wondering, take us back. What was your original motivation for you to start your firm? Yeah, I had been working a W-2 job for a long time and just got to this place of there was nowhere else for me to go in the organization. It was family owned. So anybody above me was family Um, and COVID happened. And like a lot of people kind of reevaluated where I was in my career and is this what I want to do for the next 20 years? Um, And so I just saw it as an opportunity to pursue my passions. You know, I'm passionate about bringing data-driven, results-oriented, problem-solving skills to small business. And I was doing that in a, a micro universe and by starting electee management, I have the opportunity to do it for a lot more people. And that's very rewarding. So did you have this entrepreneurial itch before you started the business? Like, had you thought about it previously? I I have, and I've, I've done things in the past in this vein, but not with this seriousness and with this vision. So, um, you know, I'm wildly more successful in my first year and a half with electy management than I ever was in anything else that I had done previously. I think spending that time in that W-2 job really gave me a lot of great experience and I, I learned so much, you know, I was probably not ready before. It is timing, isn't it? Yes. And mm-hmm. being, an, being an entrepreneur is different than being a W-2 employee. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, have you had any major or minor pivots? since you launched the business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, when you first start out, obviously I started out, I was working out of my house. I was by myself. I didn't have staff. And so when you're hungry, you sometimes say yes to things that you should say no to. And for me, that was the biggest lesson is learning when to say no. Just because maybe you can do it doesn't mean you should. And um, there was a situation where I was referred to somebody and in hindsight, I should have been able to see and know that that wasn't going to be the best fit for me or for that potential client. And I I should have just declined, but again, live and learn. And um, it really helped me refocus where our expertise is as an organization at Electi Management and to stay in those lanes. Because when you start to go outside those lanes, it becomes very stressful and very difficult to do the kind of job that we want to do. You know, Electi means elite in Latin, and that's the kind of service we want to provide to our customers. If we're not sticking with our core strengths and really providing those, then we jeopardize providing that level of service to our customers. 
That that's interesting though, Dina, because that's such a common challenge in the early stages of a business, or maybe in the business cycle, you have a downturn where you're intellectually you know you shouldn't take the client on, but emotionally you're like, I could use the revenue. Right. And then you maybe have to do that once or a couple of times before you realize, no, it's almost huh, not worth it to do that because in the end you probably don't have a delighted customer and you're probably not delighted with the relationship. And you could be jeopardizing your delighted customers mm. because you're distracted with this project, this thing you took on that maybe you shouldn't have. Yeah. I, um, you kind of know, I think entrepreneurs know, uh, if they're going to have a good relationship with the customer and, and that is almost paramount first of all to do they fit my niche are they the kind of clients that we know how to service because if you don't have a good relationship with the person the client it, it does really feel like it can drain some of your energy and maybe tax some of your people now that you have a team of people helping you with Lecti. absolutely so let's talk about what it is that your management firm does can you explain your service absolutely so we focus heavily on doing bookkeeping for small clients and QuickBooks Online platform. So we specialize in that platform. That way we can be experts in that rather than trying to know a little bit about a lot of platforms. It may not be the best overall accounting solution, but it's super accessible to small business clients, particularly service-oriented clients, which is a strong suit for um, our business. That's a really good fit for us. We also provide a lot of back office, day-to-day -day business management services. What I mean by that is uh, a doctor is often really good at being a doctor and maybe not so good or doesn't enjoy the running the business part of what he's doing. And that's where we can come in. So we can not only keep track of the money in and the money out, make sure it gets categorized properly, make sure you have financial statements for your tax preparer at the end of the year, but we can also pay your bills, set you up on auto pay, do ACH payments, do wires for you, transfer money for you, bill your customers for you, receive payments, post them, keep the documentation. Um, and we digitize everything. So we don't have a bunch of paper files anywhere. If it's important, it gets scanned and it gets put where it can be found easily. Uh, we have protocols for that so that we have consistency in what we do, not just within a client, but across clients. So you've been working with numbers for a while in your <laughs> professional career. And oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay. And and what I what I'm what I see many times is technology really does make businesses different. In other words, your business model leveraging QuickBooks. I don't know how long ago you'd have to go back before you couldn't do it the way your business processes are set up to do it today, right? With information in the cloud and online banking and electronic information. It certainly has enabled your business model, hasn't it? Absolutely. You know, I would also say that QuickBooks Online has grown a lot in the last several years. There was a time about five years ago where I hated the product and really didn't <laughs> want anything to do with it. Um, they've put a lot into it to really bring it up to a place where it's not only suitable, but very good for a, a large swath of small businesses. Um, 
I also love the transparency of it. So clients get access to their QuickBooks file if they want it. Some of them actually don't, believe it or not. But they can look at their stuff at any time. They can see what's hitting the bank feeds. We require all of our customers to use bank feeds on any accounts that are compatible for that service with QuickBooks. Mm. And most major banks are. Um, and it helps us not miss anything and it helps the client stay up to date. So it's a, it's a great tool. We use other tools as well. Um, so we can use app add-ins, not only with QuickBooks, but we can also use other platforms as a way to collect information from the client um, or their customers to get it into QuickBooks or to provide other sources of information for the customer to help manage their business and make good decisions. So when I'm working with business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs, it's my opinion that the financial statements are a language of business all in, in, all in their own. And that the business owner or entrepreneur or doctor needs to be able to speak that language, especially if they're scaling and they're looking for investment or just any time. You, you, you should have a handle on your financials is what I'm trying 100%. to say in, in, in a flowery term. But I'm wondering, because uh, I've had other uh, guests on the show who are in a similar space to you over the years. And mm -hmm. one of the interesting things that I've heard is how in disarray sometimes their new clients' financials are really, that they're not, when they get them, a lot of work is done on the front end to clean it up. Yes. I don't know. Is that is that current? Is that your experience? Have you seen that with some of your clients? Or Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I have a great example. I have an entrepreneurial client and he owns a variety of things. He has a management company. He's got a couple of real estate holding companies. He's got multiple bars slash restaurants. He's starting a beverage company. He's doing a, he set up another company to, he bought a billboard <laughs> believe <it> or not. <laughs> and, you know, so he's just this entrepreneurial guy. He's got right. all these different things going on. And when I met him, it was because his in-house person, he was helping him with his financial tracking quit quite suddenly. And so I was introduced to him by a mutual friend and I found out that he was keeping track of his stuff in spreadsheets. And I kid you not. And there was no detail in these spreadsheets. And I said, okay, well, I'm happy to take you on. And there's going to be some work to make that happen, but we can't do these spreadsheets anymore. Um, you want to come on to my program and, you know, do it my way, then I'm happy to help you. And if you don't, um, you know, no hard feelings, it just isn't the right fit. That was one of, that was easy to spot. And, um, you know, the funny thing is he's in his early to mid forties, but he was really old school in a way that I would expect somebody to be much older and, and be set in their ways in that way. The really cool thing about him was that he was very willing to make changes and I would suggest things and, you know, he just really embraced the technology in a way that I couldn't have anticipated, um, so yeah, it happens more often than you think. I, I onboarded a doctor earlier this year. His books hadn't been touched, and this was in July, 
since December of 2021. Wow. Yeah. So wow. we had, yeah, we had seven months of catch up or six plus months of catch up to do. And I said, well, do you have receipts for any of this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> we wanted the receipts. He's like, you want that? Yeah, I do. And, um, and so I'm like, yeah, we'll scan them and we'll attach them to the correct transaction in QuickBooks. And I kid you not, his receipts were shoved into a, a cardboard like envelope, like a FedEx envelope. Uh -huh. And they were literally just smashed in there, wadded up or whatever. And that's how we get receipts from him to this day. And he's a really sweet person, but it's just not an area that some business owners want to put their brain towards. Uh, and that's very fascinating. And that's unfortunate from my perspective, because as I said earlier, uh, the financial tells financials tell a story. And it's really important for the entrepreneur to understand the story, because not only is it always historical, but it can also project the future if you see trends in your numbers. Mm -hmm. So working with your bookkeeper and then your CPA and filing your taxes, these should not be uh, discrete events. They should be regular interactions that you have with your team to make sure you're driving the business in the direction that you want. Because as we said before the show started, part of the advantage of being an entrepreneur is creating enterprise value that maybe later in life you can have a liquidity event around and the better your books are for the longer the term, my experience is, the better your uh, ability to sell the business would be. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Dina Miller is our guest. We're talking all things business and bookkeeping and financial reporting. Let's change our focus just a little bit, Dina, with some of the time that we have left. I'm wondering, where are you going as an active entrepreneur to seek insights and experiences from peer entrepreneurs that are helping you to stay ahead of the competition and ultimately grow your successful business. I've uh, recently gotten involved in a couple of local organizations, one being the Irvine Chamber of Commerce, um, very business oriented, a lot of members, a lot of opportunity to kind of pick the brains of a bunch of different people. I've also joined Association for Corporate Growth, ACG, uh, and that has Again, just a wealth of resources to be able to, to learn from. And I actually have joined a women's group within that group. Mm -hmm. And that's really been transformative in a lot of ways because I have found as a, a woman in business that I end up at the room in a conference room and I'm the only woman at the mm -hmm. table of eight people. Um, and, and you know, it's been that way since I went to school where the male to female ratio was like one female to nine men in, in some situations. So it's really nice to have an opportunity to find a group of other successful business women and understand what their perspective and experience is and to really be there to have that support from them. Uh, and then I also can then translate that into working with my own team. Let's talk about your own team. Cause when you started out, it was you, it was but me. to your credit, you've scaled the business to allow you to hire staff. So what has been yeah. your experience in hiring staff to support your company? 
First off, I would say that the hiring environment is like none I have ever seen. You know, mm. despite the fact that I haven't always had my own business, I have for a very long time been in a position of having to hire staff. And it's hard right now. It really is. Um, and so for me, I can teach most anybody to do what we do. I can teach them how to enter transactions in QuickBooks. I can teach them how to scan and attach documents into QuickBooks. I can teach them how to do just about anything that we do. I can't teach them to care. I can't teach them to show up. I can't teach them work ethic. Uh, these are things that have to be innate in them. Um, so for me, that's really what I'm looking at. I'm looking at people who have a desire to learn who have great attention to detail. So I do do some, uh, some testing, some preliminary screening, if you will. And the attention to detail test, 10 minutes long, has been the best indicator of who can be successful in what we do. Because paying attention to the details consistently means, back to the name of the company, electi and elite. That is the difference between doing an okay job and doing an elite job, doing a great job for the customer. And that's what we really strive to do. That doesn't mean people don't make mistakes and, and we, we need to recognize them and learn from them. But from a hiring standpoint, I hire for culture first and foremost in this business. And you know, a word on culture, it's not just a statement in your handbook. It has to be something that starts from the top and that you live every single day. It has to come through in your actions, in the things that you do. I'm here before most everybody and I'm here till after most everybody. You know, setting the example of what the culture is going to be is, is so paramount. The other thing I do with my staff is I have a huge level of transparency. I rarely close my door. They hear everything I say. There are no secrets around here. And they've shared with me that the ability to hear what I'm saying on the phone or to somebody else gives them an opportunity to learn things faster because they're paying attention. Okay, how is Dina handling this? If I'm in that same situation, how would I handle it? Um, so those are the things that I have found to help make my hiring process successful, but also my retention of these uh, staff members successful as well. You know, it's hard to hire people. It's very time consuming and costly to replace people. And happy people don't leave. So, you know, giving them a space where they're productive, they're learning, um, all of these things have to come together to make it work and be successful. I'm so glad to hear you say you, one, hire for culture. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. And two, on the other side of that spectrum, you give them a test. You assess their core competency around an important skill that you need in your business. That is such a best practice. And I'm glad you were able to share that here today on the program. We also do role playing in the interview process. Wow. Mm -hmm. See, because I want to get a sense for um, how 
what the personality fit is going to be. I also include the other team members in the interview process. Even if all they do is sit there and watch, mm -hmm. I, I want them included in the process. When the candidate isn't here, I'm asking them, well, what did you think about this candidate? Before I say what I think about anybody, I want to hear what my team thinks about them because they're going to have to work, you know, essentially hand in hand with them every day. And so it's important to me that it's a good fit for them, not just a good fit for me. Um, so my opinion comes at the end. And at the end of the day, though, it is my decision. So if it fails, it's my fault. And if it succeeds, it's partly my success. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Owners always have to take all the failure. And that's okay. That's why we're owners. All right. That's right. So there's another check the box on the best practices involve the team, especially the people that are going to be working with that other person, because culture can change overnight by the person you hire who doesn't fit the culture. It can erode faster than it takes to build it. So thanks, Dina. I wonder what the future holds for you. So I love to have you entrepreneurs on the show. You always have a big vision for the future. I don't want to put pressure on you, Dina, but what would you, how do you describe the vision for the future of your firm? My vision is to grow this business to where it doesn't need me. Um, I've worked with, as I said before, um, a lot of service-oriented professionals, doctors in particular, but lawyers and some other ones as well. And when they're ready to retire, oftentimes that's it. The business just closes. It just ceases to exist. And that's part of been my motivation to build a team is because it can't be successful for a longer term if it requires me. So, you know, it's about building processes that can be passed on to other people and to build a large enough client base to be attractive at some point in the not very near future. Because <laughs> uh, I'm really loving what I'm doing. But, you know, at some point it would be nice to be attractive for acquisition or just, you know, sale to someone else when that time comes where I'd like to step away. Uh, I, I think your eyesight is is spot on. And I don't, uh, in my opinion, it's never too early to plan your exit. You're a year or two years into the business, but you, you, it takes time mm -hmm. and you have to build the business around being sellable. And the, the kind of things that you're working on, taking yourself out of the center of the business over time, making the business run without you, those will make it a much more valuable enterprise for a third party who might look at acquiring it. So those are all good things to be working on, even though you have to your, I think I heard you say you have no intention of selling the business because you're just getting started and, it, and you're well, having a lot Well, no time soon. You know, to that point, Rick, we had a, a client reach out to us um, and to my uh, account executive to say, hey, I have this friend who also has a bar and I was going to refer you to her. And I could have stepped in and gone and done that. My account executive has never done business development before, has never gone and met with a prospect before. But I said, I want to empower you to hmm. take the lead on this. You're the lead for the other client. And, and we did some research about the referral. So we knew who we were um, connecting with. But I said, I have full confidence that you can do this. I'm here for you. Ask me whatever you want to ask me, but I want you to have this experience. And I want you to feel like you can do this repeatedly in the future. And we landed the client and she did a great job and she learned a lot. 
That's great. I love your stories. They're very interesting, Dina. If someone would like to connect with you, maybe here on LinkedIn, or learn more about your firm, where would you suggest they go? How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash electi MGMT or electimgmt.com. And you can collect, click on the contact us uh, tab and uh, reach out that way as well. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I knew I would, and I promised at the top of the show that this was going to be a good one, and you did not disappoint. You hit it out of the park. So thank you for your time today. I've enjoyed talking about you and your business. Thank you so much, Rick. It's been a pleasure to be here. And I'd like to thank the audience for being a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show. Dina's episode was episode number 1,379 in our catalog. So if you want to peruse it, I'm sure there are other people in there you may recognize from Orange County that you would like to listen to their interview in the past. I encourage that. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn or visit my website. Both can be found by looking up Rick, R-I-C-F-R-A-N-Z-I, Rick Franzi. That's my Profile name on LinkedIn, and that's my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I really hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.